Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Hello and welcome back to the Borough Breakdown Opposition Preview Show with me, Tom, and my guest for the evening, Graham from What The Folk, back for his second appearance of the season. Graham, thanks for joining me. How are you doing? Yeah, not too bad. Pleased that you had me back. Seems like I survived it. I seen I got a little bit of stick in the comments, but I was that was to be expected. I kind of wanted that, so thanks for it. I appreciate it. I know it's all I know it's all meant with love, so very good. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so just to, to kick off, then um, just picking up on on Sunderland season so far since the uh, since we played each other, because I think it's been a a lot of change for for both teams. Um, obviously, change of manager for both, really. Um, how would you sum up the the season so far? I think I was really positive last time I was on, and um, again, I've, I've got to be positive once more. Obviously, take Saturday out the equation because I think you'll probably know this, but championship referees are probably the worst referees I've ever come across in my life, and that was the worst referee I've ever seen in my life. So, you can't always be um, 12 men, especially not when you've only got 10. Um, but in general, like outside of like the odd game here or there, like one game every eight, it's it's been great. And I think the biggest thing for me with Sunderland season is that I think we just wanted to solidify ourselves. Like, don't get me wrong, I now feel like there's a chance of playoffs because the league is so tight and I feel like we've got more quality than some. And at one point we were fourth up top only a couple of weeks ago. Um, so you never know, but there's... Um, we started off just wanting to be solidified in the league. Like I said, if we get 15th, I'll snap your hand off. Anything that's not League One, I'm delighted with. Um, and then push on from there sort of thing. But, you know, we lost our manager who, like, like at a lump it, Sunderland fans really liked Alex Neal at the time. He was the guy that kind of got us defensively solid, got us playing good football. He won at Wembley with us. He was kind of, for me, I kind of understand why he would ever throw that away. But um, it doesn't really matter anymore. Like... And then he brought in Tony Mowbray, which wasn't that exciting. Um, he's kind of a bit of a boring appointment when it first happened. And I wasn't 100% sure it would work, especially considering he was coming into a club that didn't really want to lose the manager. He wasn't really replacing anyone. Um, that's worked out fine. Mowbray's sound. He's playing wonderful, got us playing wonderful football. He seems to be a perfect marriage between the club's model and the way that we play. Um our best player, Ross Stewart, didn't get injured at all last season. So you're thinking, please don't get injured. And then eight minutes before we play Middlesbrough at the Riverside, as you know, he gets a grade three tear in his thigh and he's out for three months. So we lose our best striker for three months and we have to play 
was just one in Ellis Sims, who then coincidentally gets injured two games later. And then we play with no strikers for about 11 games. Um, eventually, they both come back and they start scoring goals. And Ellis Sims scores a goal in the, the last minute against Blackburn. And you think, oh, here we go. Brilliant. And Ellis Sims gets recalled by Everton. So everything that could have went wrong has gone wrong. And yet here we are, um, delighted with the season, I think. I don't know if we've surprised ourselves or the championship's just not as good as we kind of thought it might be. Um, but there's no team that we've come up against this year that we've been completely out of it, I think. The game earlier in the season against you lot. Um, oh, that sounded quite aggressive there. I didn't mean that against <laughs> your team. Um, obviously, first 45 minutes, we weren't in it. And it wasn't a good performance for ourselves. But then we were always in the game. Um, Burnley, probably the best side we've come up against this season. We were 2-0 up against them at halftime. Yes, we lost 4-2, but that doesn't matter. Like we held them for 45 minutes. We played really well, but there's been no team that's really like massively impressed me this season in terms of being miles better than Sunderland, um, apart from Burnley in that 45 minute spell, but 45 minutes is not a full 90. And um, we play some really nice football. Our away form is, is really good. Our home form starting to get sorted out. We've won, I think, two of the last four after previously only winning, I think, two of the last eight. So if 50% ratio as opposed to, what, that 20, 25% or whatever. Um, so that's improving. Ross Stewart's back in fit. Ross Stewart, we all felt, would make the step up. He has. Um, he's still our best player. Diallo has been an absolute revelation. Patrick Roberts has shown some really good ability. Jack Clark's a little bit off form, although he had quite a good game on Saturday. He's now, um, at the same time, scored four goals and assisted six. So all the players that we hoped would make that step up have done. And I, I haven't even mentioned the likes of Luke Nyan and um, Danny Barton, the players that have arguably been our players of the year, especially Danny Barton. And um, the likes of Anthony Patterson's fitted in really well. So a lot better than expected is, is kind of the, the short answer. But I'm delighted that we are doing as well as we can. Um, the challenge probably comes next season when the expectations raise. Yeah, definitely. I mean, you, you touched on it there, uh, the result on Saturday and how, how poor the ref was. I mean, I watched the AFL highlight show. I, I did think you were probably unlucky to not get a penalty about 15 seconds before that red card. Um, yeah. But ended up as a 3-1 loss. And you mentioned earlier as well, it, it's kind of like one in eight. The You know, you, you'll have uh, you know a loss or a, a bad game. What are you expecting the reaction to look like off the back of that loss uh, on Sunday? Um, I've got like two heads on it, really, because whenever we've had a bad performance, we've responded really well and gone like a good run of like four or five games where we haven't um, lost or, or we've won a couple of games and maybe like narrowly lost against a good side, like, I don't know, a Burnley, a Swansea or whatever, um, away from home or something like that. But um, at the same time, there is always like this... Sunderland mindset in the back of my head that goes, well, when is this going to go bad, by the way? When does this blow up in our face? And I'm kind of also worried about that as well. But I think if I think away from this kind of worried outlook that you have as a Sunderland fan, that everything's going to go wrong because coincidentally it sometimes does. Um, I do think, you know, based on the form that the players have had this season, whenever we have lost a game, they have rolled their sleeves up and made sure that we at least get a positive result, be that a, a draw or a win. It's a bloody tough game, though. Um, you know, I, I don't think any of us look at Borough and think, well, that's a team you can, you know, you can just turn up well against and, and win the game. At the same time, we owe you one. I think it's been 2008 since we beat you at home, which is, um, makes you a bit sick, that doesn't it? Really, when you think about it, 2008. <clears throat> 
like I mean, I remember then, that game and that still makes me sick. <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I think back to that game, I've been married, engaged, divorced and bought two houses since we last people were at home. So, um, yeah, and there's quite a few things happened else in the middle there, but I won't bore your viewers, of course. But um, it's been a long while. And I know there's been like the times of us being in League One and I know there's been times when we were in the Premier League and you were in the Championship. So there's like, we've only played each other about six, seven times between that. But I think you've won either five of the last six or six of the last seven. So there's an, there's a feeling um, within, especially the people I speak to, that we do probably all borrow one, but it's not going to be as easy as just turning up and, and being like, oh, well, we all borrow one, we're going to win. Are we capable of doing it? 100%. Um, on our day, I think the likes of Diallo, Stewart, Roberts, um, Dan Neal in the middle, who's on great form at the moment, Dan Neal, are a match for anyone in this league. Um, we've got a good, young, energetic team that's learning game by game, kind of uh, the mistakes that they make and they're kind of learning from and, and making things better. But we are still a very young team and I think there's some wily old pros in that Borough side as well, which should make it quite an interesting matchup. But um, ultimately confident. Um, I wouldn't want to lose the game. I don't really want to lose two home games in a row because I'm especially not two game, home, uh, home games, which... You know, in isolation, losing a game against Swansea, who are a decent enough team when you've gone down to 10 men and the referee is absolutely atrocious, um, is fine. And then losing against Middlesbrough at home, who are a good team, but I expect to get promoted on a good run of form, yada, yada, in isolation is fine in the context of the season. But everyone knows what momentum's like in football. Um, you win two games, you feel like you can win the next 10. You lose two games, you feel like you're never going to win until May. Um and I think we're 12 points away from the relegation zone, but that's only four games in the championships of wild league. Um, I don't even think about having a look over my shoulder at any point. I don't think we will. Um, I'd be comfortable with a draw, but I think we're capable of winning the game. And the response from poor results in the past have always been really, really impressive um, to the point where even I've been a bit taken aback by the the character and the, and the togetherness of the team. So fingers crossed they can do what they've done all season and, and bounce back and hopefully, you know, for our sake, get one over Borough for the first time in, I don't know, about four centuries or something. <laughs> so I, I believe, uh, I, I don't think I'm, I'm wrong here, but there's been no transfer incomings for Sunderland just yet this season, uh, this window? Although you are close speaking. to someone. I believe so. Uh, um, Pierre, I can't pronounce his surname, so I won't try, but he <laughs> plays for West Ham, yes. Yeah. Um, so, other than that, looking close, do you know if if Sunderland are looking to get any any business done this window? There's been a few tentative links. Um, I think we were linked to Sam Surridge from from Nottingham Forest. Um, I think, as I touched on before on our podcast, we've obviously lost Ella Sims because I don't know Everton don't know how to manage a young player and understand where his development is best used, um, which of course would be with Sunderland. Um, he's not really getting game time at Everton, so. You know, he yeah, might he come back. Got blamed for the result of the weekend, and <laughs> I've seen that he, he he got um he got like abused in his car, didn't he? Which you know, I've got a lot of time for Everton as a football club. I really like them. It's the the old phrase of Everton are a proper football club. I don't know what that means, but that they are. Um, but it was the wrong move to take him back, and it's left us short because we've only got Ross Seward up front. And as I said before, we played about eleven games without any strikers, and there comes a point where you go, well, this didn't work. And bless them for trying as well as they did, and we actually somehow got through it. Um, but God, the table could look so much better with a fifth striker or two. Um, and it's no coincidence that our results really improved when Alice Sims came back and then improved tenfold when Roscoe came back. Um, we need a striker, 100%. I think we need two, if I'm completely honest. Um, Nathan Broadhead obviously had a great season on this last season from Everton. He then, for some reason, went to Wigan. 
Um, I think it had something to do with the fact that he felt that he wasn't going to get as much game time as he wanted because of Sims and Stewart. But by the by, really, um, I would have liked him to come back. As it was, we were never really interested in him again in January. It turns out we didn't look interested in him at all. Um, we've had loose links that I think have got a bit of umbrage about them in a young boy from Hungary called Nemeth, not Slizard. Um, very, very different man for uh, the people who remember that from a Sunderland perspective. I'm sure you will remember Slizard Nemeth. Um, in terms of him, I think he's like 20-year-old. He's had one cap for Hungary, scored one goal. His attributes in terms of his stats and his data, which is what our model and our plan is, look very similar to what Ross Stewart was before he joined Sunderland, so it would make sense. But... Um, I would be incredibly disappointed if we didn't bring in someone who's a little bit more wily and experienced in the middle to replace, not replace, um, to give Corey Evans an option because Corey Evans, as much as he's not flashy and you don't think about him as being important, when he comes out the team, there's just nothing like him. There's no one to like have a bit of experience in the middle and sweep up and pass and keep it simple. And we do miss him when he's not there, I think. Um, at least there's, I can count on one hand the amount of times we've been able to not play him and pull that result. Although when we have, it's, it's been great, of course. I think we'll beat Wigan 4-1 without him, but that's more of an, an anomaly rather than an exception uh, an exception to the rule rather than a regular thing. Um, we need a striker, though. I think if we didn't get a striker in this in this window, it's ridiculous. Um, there's the idea that Leon Diaku can play up front. I, I'm sorry, Mr. Speakman, I'm sure you know a lot more than me because you dealt with Jude Bellingham's... Um, sort of upbringing, I suppose, and, and and he's done really, really well in the transfer market. But if you think Leon Diak is a centre-forward, then, you know, I don't have a hole in my ass because he's just not. Um, he's barely even a left winger. And Diallo, as good as he is, is definitely either a number 10 or a winger. So there's been links to strikers, so I think they are after them. I think it's maybe just safeguarding saying, oh, Diak, who can play up front in case things go absolutely, um, can I say tits up? Um I've said it now, haven't I? Um, <laughs> but uh, I think I think there'll be two or three more coming in. I think we, we could do with it a good solid midfielder that would challenge um, Corey Evans. I believe this guy in the middle from West Ham is a similar position to Corey Evans, but he's only a bane. Um, and there's always a risk with that, no matter how you look at it, although it's worked out for us most of the time. Um, and up front, we definitely need cover for Ross Stewart. Ross Stewart's the number one, but like, you cannot go the rest of the season with... Just Ross Stewart. We went the rest of the season with just Ellis Sims and Ross Stewart and lost them both and were knackered for 11 games. So if they don't learn from that mistake, there'll be steam coming out of my ears and a few of the Sunderland fans. So I think, but I think we're bringing it, I think we're bringing a centre forward at least one. So you've mentioned the need for a striker there and uh, Sims and Stewart. I want to talk about Sims just before we go on to Ross Stewart. But other than kind of in terms of the numbers, how are you? How how was Sunderland missing Ellis Sims uh, after being recalled by Everton? Is it is it a change in in play style or anything? Because that game earlier in the season, I thought he was a right handful for our defenders, and I you know thought he was constantly looking dangerous when when he was going forward. I saw one of my best mates. He was a Sunderland fan. I was texting him during the game, and he was like, oh, "He's not not that great for us. Like he can't shoot and stuff like that." But he, he looked looked a real handful. Ellis was. Ellis Sims for Sunderland would kind of depend on who you spoke to, but I would say 75% of Sunderland fans probably preferred him. Um, don't get me wrong, he had flaws. Like, sometimes he, like, he didn't have... His movement was quite good, but it's like sometimes his intelligence was off, which is kind of weird because his movement in the box was really intelligent. But I think it took a long while for 
Sunderland fans realised what Ellis Sims was. He had the best kind of debut, came in, scored a goal in five minutes and then equalised in the second half and we 1-3-2. Roscoe got the other one and suddenly it's, we've got the sass, you know, Sims and, and Stewart and all that kind of thing. Um, and I think a lot of us thought, you know, Stewart was the more cultured player that could hold the ball up, would score goals, win the balls in the air, could lay the ball off. He's got a bit of pace, Stewart, which people don't realise because he's 6'5", but he gallops, he's got a lot of pace. And I think people thought Sims was going to be the battering ram that was... Um, you know, able to knock things down to him. And actually, it's kind of the other way around. Like, Ross Stewart's always going to score goals for Sunderland, but Ellis Sims was just a natural finisher. He was not actually that good in the air. Um, his, his touch wasn't that great, but he scored against Blackburn, which was his last one for us. I hope he does come back. I hope he scores more goals for Sunderland. But um, the one he scored against Blackburn was just, like, sublime. Like, it took about 10 minutes for it to go in the back of the net, but he just... Ghosted one way, ghosted another, and then the outside of his boot and about two like the slowest toe punt I've ever seen in my life in the bottom corner. But he just seemed to be in the right place at the right time and his finishing ability was great. And I think as much as you know, Ellis was probably not someone who would ever replace Ross Stewart up top. He was someone who could either aid Ross Stewart up front or give us an option to rest Ross Stewart um at the worst case scenario. And even though there was a lot of some fans thought he was lazy, I don't really agree with that at all. Um, I don't think he was. I think the way his game is, is that he is not a goal hanger, but he's a finisher. And, you know, tell me a finisher that's running around mad and used up all his energy. I don't think he needs to. Um, where we're losing, where we miss out with Ellis is the fact that he scored a lot of goals. I think we, I think he had 12 shots on target and seven goals. That's not bad. That's basically down to his finishing ability. It's a second option towards Stewart if we don't play Stuart up front. It's also, he was really good up front with Stuart as well, if you we want to play two up top. That's how we were doing it an awful lot until they both got injured. And I think if you look at Sunderland's results from the tail end of when Ellis Sims was due to come back, like the last three or four games, we were beginning to struggle. And then Ellis Sims came back in for like 20 minutes at Luton. We equalised at Luton and got a draw. I think he came in the next game. I can't remember quite who it was, but we got a result then. Then Ellis Sims starts playing up front whilst we wait for Ross Stewart to come back permanently and give us another option. And the results were just better because there was a centre-forward there that knew how to lead the line. Um, I think we might bring somebody else in and then potentially wait on Ellis Sims. I feel really sorry for Ellis, if I'm honest with you, because I watched him, I obviously live up in Scotland, and I watched him last season for Hearts, and that gave him a lot of development. He developed at Blackpool as well. I think this was perfect for his development to play in front of a big expectant crowd, the same sort of attendances as Everton, scoring goals, dealing with the expectation, dealing with the, the week-by-week week kind of perma-crisis that you can have as a fan in the northeast. Like, if you win, you're going to win the league. If you lose, oh, God, are we going to get relegated? We all have that in the northeast because um, we're so passionate about it and it sort of rules our life. And I think that would have been perfect for him to maybe go at the end of the season, go to Everton if they stayed up, <laughs> which is... Um, well, that might not happen. Um, I think it would have been perfect for him. I think it's a real shame he's been called back. Um, like we can, we can cope without Ellis Sims. We can't cope without another striker being brought in. But I would have much preferred Ellis to stay because I think he benefited us a lot. I think he scored goals. He was a good finisher. And I think mainly for Ellis, I think it's a real shame. He's gone back to Everton. Seems to be getting abused in his car for something he cannot handle. He's been there five minutes and played 17 minutes of football and came on when they were getting beat 4-0 against Brighton and 2-1 against Southampton when the whole atmosphere around Everton and it's toxic. I'm not saying it's wrong. I understand Everton scarily remind me of Sunderland, but um, 
ultimately, I feel more sorry for Ellis than I do for Sunderland, but I'd love him back if you know if Everton sign a striker for silly money and make more silly recruitment decisions that they've made over the past five years and decide that Ellis Sims is actually best served having his, his uh, first team experience at Sunderland, then there'll be no one more delighted than me, but it's still like another one on top. It's um it's tough because because Ellis, you can't sit and wait for him the whole window. As much as you might want to, you can't. We, we need to bring someone in, but hopefully we get someone in like an MF or someone who can like help with that forward line and then hopefully Ellis becomes available again near the end of the window. We end up with, with three and I'll be a very happy man if we do. It's just clicked for me when you said that the similarities between Everton and Sunderland when when you guys are in the Premier League. I think all all Everton are missing at the moment is like Allardyce or Decanio to come in and save the season, and it, it, the similarities increase. But um, yeah, just going on to uh, to Ross Stewart then, because uh, obviously he's um, he's pretty much the the danger man for you guys. I think that's that's like league league wide. You know that, that's that's known. Um, but speculation regarding him won't go away. Um, you know, we've been linked with him the last couple of windows, and I think for us that's probably stopped now with the sign of Cameron Archer. But I know Rangers were after him as well. Is this? Is it showing? Uh, is he showing any signs of it affecting him on the pitch? Um, you know, I, I think only a few days ago as well. Don't know how true it is. I went, read a rumor on Twitter that he'd been offered a new contract and turned it down. Um, and also, do you expect him to still be a Sunderland player at the end of the month? You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. I'll answer your last question first without 
hoping I'm not tempting fate. I think if someone sold Ellis, eh, not Ellis, I'm sorry, Ross Stewart to a another championship team by the end of the window, considering we've only got him as a striker at the moment, um, I think they'd be like hell to pay, <laughs> to be honest, because um, Ross is an excellent striker. He's not just a goal scorer. He just, he just brings so much to our team. Um, he's so much better than I could have ever hoped for. I honestly thought we'd sign him and he'd end up on loan at like, I don't know, St Mirren again or something in a couple of seasons and he'd just do a job in League One, but he's he's such a phenomenal striker. Um, he can hold the ball up, he's got pace, his finishing ability is excellent. His his brain for where other players are on the pitch and the way he links up with people is just second to none for me. I think outside of maybe Jokeres, I think he's the best striker in the league. Um, I know people debate me on that, but it doesn't matter. Opinion's opinion. And Chubarakpom as well, got to be up there. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I figured you might say that, but trust me, Fosco's miles better. Um, but I, I'm a massive fan, is the kind of long story short. I think he'll stay to the end of the season. I think the summer's difficult, especially if he continues to score in like every game. I think he's got five and six since he's come back, and the game he didn't score in was when he was down at 10 then. Um, and we should have had two penalties. He takes off penalties. So, like, he would have scored there, but... Um, yeah, it's a huge worry, I'm not going to lie. I think if you go through the, the What The Fog Twitter feed... And probably even my own personal feed, it's perma like worry about Ross Stewart going somewhere because we we were talking going down with the Scottish bench went down to the match on Saturday and we were talking about like so I'm 37 this year, so um I lived in the, the Quinn Phillips era and stuff like that. And we said, like, not who do you think's been the best Sunderland player, but who's your favourite? And Ross got in there for me. And I meant that. Like he scored at Wembley. I've never seen Sunderland win at Wembley in my lifetime, and he scored at Wembley, he got the clincher and I don't know, he's like, he was the shining light during a time when I thought, like, we were never getting out of League One and he's continued to be part of that progression. He's, he's been part of, like, something reigniting themselves and a big, big part of it. The difficulty is we have this model where we don't want to spend X, Y, or Z um, because, you know, will other people be knocking on the door and want more money and stuff like that? My personal opinion is if you were to sell Ross Stewart for anything between 10 to 15 million, the amount of money that you would waste trying to replace him for years on end, some Southern fans would say, well, this scouting model found um, Ross Stewart. You know, why wouldn't they do that again? Because players just don't come along like that and fit that well. That, that I'm not saying I'm right. I'm just saying that's, you know, that's my opinion on it. And I think Ross is so important. He's very happy here. I can guarantee he's very happy here. I know that. Um, don't need to go into the details of it. I just do. Um, he wants to stay here, but at the same time, I think he's 26. He's been the clubs he's been at previous have been Kilwinning Juniors, St Mirren, Ross County. Like he's not played for clubs that are going to give him life changing wages. Players that play for clubs at that level for the rest of their career will probably have enough to get by for a couple of years, but they'll need to get a job like a personal trainer or a teacher, whatever it may be. That's just the way it is. Ross is now in a position where he can financially look after his family for the rest of his life. And I don't think that means he's wanting 40 grand a week. But I think if they're rumoured 10 to 13,000 per week is what he's been offered, I think that's a bit of a joke, to be honest. And I understand him turning it down because it's just not what he's worth. He's worth a lot more than that. And I think, um, yes, it was under different recruitment models. And yes, it was under um, far worse chairman. But I've seen Josh Madger leave Sunderland um, and go to Bordeaux and we signed Will Grigg. We wasted loads of money trying to sign a striker to replace him. That just didn't work. 
transfer fee, wages and everything. When we could have just offered that at Josh Madgen, we probably would have went up the first season. Um, Darren Bent leaving Sunderland, as much as I absolutely can't stand the bloke, because I understand, I think, I, I personally think that came out of sheer greed. But when we sold Darren Bent, we never replaced him to the point where he actually ended up on loan at Burton and relegated us to League One. And it was just like, ah, well, there we go. There's the story. That was the start of our downfall when Darren Bent left. Um, we never really recovered from that. And I think if Ross goes, that 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 is it. And I think for me, if he's you know, if he gets a bit from a Premier League team and someone says there's 20 million, we're gonna give you 40 grand a week. Yeah, I'll be devastated. I'll probably actually shed a wee tear, but um like it's hard to turn down a player going to the Premier League. We get that. If we end up messing about his contract and he ends up a, a Stoke or a Middlesbrough, I'll be absolutely livid. Um because there's no reason why a player who's 100% happy at your football club and plays a massive part in your role should go to a team in the same division simply because you don't want to offer them an extra, I don't know, four or five grand or something like that. Um, and I think, you what, know... What, what, what about Rangers? Because um, I, I know they're one of the clubs that were, were linked. And uh, uh, from what I'd heard, it, it, it sounded like he was maybe a fan of them, but... There's definitely interest there. As far as I'm aware, Ross actually doesn't have an old firm club, weirdly enough. He's from Irvine, which is actually a big Rangers stronghold um, just outside of Rangers. It's a very sort of blue area. But I, I believe he doesn't actually have like a club either way, but he'll understand the size of Rangers. And I understand the club, the size of Rangers. I'll go see Rangers. If I'm not seeing Sunderland, I'll go see Rangers, if I'm completely honest with you, because that's kind of like local to me, the most local club to where I live. Um and uh, yeah, that would be hard to turn down as well. I think I'd maybe even understand that if I'm completely honest. Not because I think the division's amazing. I think the Scottish Premiership is probably the equivalent of the Championship and at some points top of League One at best. Um, but I mean, I went to games last year in the European one and it's, I've never seen an atmosphere like those games against Dortmund and Leipzig and stuff like that. So I can understand him watching it and wanting to go. I would totally get it. I think the, there will be Southern fans listening and saying... Well, we've coped without Jermaine Defoe. We coped without Kevin Phillips. You know, they were better strikers than Ross Stewart and they went 100% agree. Both were better strikers and scored at higher levels. However, Jermaine Defoe left when something got relegated. Kevin Phillips left when something got relegated. Now Quinn retired when we were on our downward spiral. To lose a player when we're on our upward peak for the sake of a couple of thousand would, would absolutely devastate me, if I'm completely honest. Um, I'm going to be upset whenever he goes. I just hope when he does go, it's to a club where I go... <laughs> Well, fair enough. Well, looking ahead to Sunday and speaking about a player who definitely won't be playing, uh, Luke O'Nine's been suspended for mm. the tackle against Swansea. How big of a miss do you think he's going to be? Because at the weekend, I was talking to me, me mate about it who sports Sunderland, and he said, oh, he's the type of player who is there to put in a you know a meaty tackle when... When, when you want him to. And I said, by the sounds of it, he just did and he got sent off for it. <laughs> but um, yeah, how, how big of a miss is he going to be on, on Sunday? For, for me, massive. Like a lot of, um, there's been a lot of chat about him on, online this week saying he's a liability and he's, he says that and the other. And, and we discussed that in our own podcast. I really love Luke um, as a bloke, as a player. And he, because he can, put a decent tackle in most of the time um, and he can pass a ball and he can head a ball and he does all the basics right people say he's got limited ability but oh he's full of heart and full of energy but like what is a good footballer at this level someone who can pass he can pass a ball he can pass long and short can he tackle yeah most of the time he can tackle maybe he was a bit rash on um, Saturday fair enough but most of the time he's, he's 
good tackler. He's very good in the air, especially for his height. So he's good at heading. He can pop up with the occasional goal. He can play in various different positions. So where where is he limited? Is what I would say. Like where's his limited ability? What because he can't like dribble past a million players and score a goal from forty yards makes him limited. People used to say Kevin Ball was all blood and thunder and heart. I'm not comparing him to Kevin Ball, but people used to always say Kevin Ball would give you 100% effort. But Ball, he was a pretty good player as well. He could score, he could pass, he could head, he could tackle. He could pass long, he could pass short. He could play centre-half, he could play central midfield. So was he not a good player? Um, there's nothing limited there that I've said. He's actually far from limited because he can do a lot of things. And that's how I feel about Luke. Um, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan. I think he's a massive miss for me. Before his red card on Saturday, I said the lad in front of me, I said, apart from maybe Danny Barton, maybe Ross Stewart when he's played. So arguably you would say like, oh, nine's been our player of the year this year. And it's funny, most people would have probably agreed with that. And then he put that reckless challenge in. I didn't think it was a red card, but I'm I'm the minority. Most people did. Um, I won't bore your life with why I didn't think it was, because most people disagree with me anyway. So, um, And then this week, everyone seemed to kind of think he's a bit of a liability. He cost us the game. It's probably a good thing that he's missing. He's not like a centre-half anyway, but... If you're asking me for my own personal opinion, I think Luke's massive. I think Luke's massive for his personality on the pitch. Not his personality away from the pitch. People talk about him smiling and being nice. Not bothered about that. Like he could grimace every five minutes and do like not do the fist punch and all that kind of stuff. But his personality on the pitch is really important, I think. I think he backs his mates up. He's he's got a bit of shit shit housery about him that he's obviously picked up from Wickham. Um, which does sometimes help. Yes, does he sometimes take it too far? hundred percent. But if his tackling was absolutely perfect, and if his um, shit housery was absolutely perfect, the way it never get noticed and he didn't go too far, he'd be playing in the Premier League. <laughs> um, for me, he's a very good Championship centre half. He'll be a huge miss. Um, we're lucky in the sense that we can bring in some good centre halves to replace him. Um, Danny Bott came in on Saturday. He's returned. He's arguably been our best player this season. Um, total unsung hero. Absolutely brick house, if I'm honest with you, um, and a bloody good defender that's a solid championship defender. So he should be able to be covered okay. But I just like Luke, for me, one of the first names on the team sheet for me, be it right back, be it in, in centre-half. He's definitely a defender. If it was in midfield, I'd say, no, he'd be all right. I don't really rate him in midfield, which is where we're signing him. But for me, massive. But there'll be lots of fans listening who think I'm talking absolute horseshit. But that's the beauty of football, isn't it? Opinions, I think. So... How do you expect uh, Sunderland to line up on Sunday then? <clears throat> and other than Ross Stewart, who we've mentioned and we're all aware of, who are the uh, who are the danger men going to be in the lineup for Borough? Um, I'll go answer your, your first question first, so I can think of who we might actually have in the lineup in the back of my mind. Um, Diallo wasn't very good on Saturday. Um, he struggled a little bit because we had to take Patrick Roberts off when the red card happened. But his link up play, Diallo and Patrick Roberts' link up play is frighteningly good. It's all like one-touch football. I loved when we played Wigan. I've said this on a few podcasts now, but we played Wigan um, and Roberts came on and we absolutely ripped it out of James McLean because they just took they just took the mick out of him. Um, one-touch pass, little back heels, and then Patrick Roberts runs into the box and scores. Deflected, but let's forget about it being deflected. It was a good goal. Um, but Diallo and Roberts, for me, are both excellent. Um, Jack Clark had a horrendous game at the Riverside. He was awful. But um, when Jack Clark's on it, Jack Clark's on it and... He's scarily good when he's confident. I think sometimes he always he always looks confident, but I think sometimes he's not a hundred percent sure if he can beat his man. And that you know, is as his age. But our forward line's really good. Um, but I'll forget all of them, all the flashy names, the the Roberts, the uh, the Diallo, the Frost Stewart, all the players that I know are gonna be the ones that get the headlines nine times out of ten. I'll go with Daniel. 
Um, for me, Dan is a really, really good young talent. And I think sooner rather than later, there's going to be teams above us, i.e. Premier League. I'm not saying Man United, don't get me wrong, but you know, teams in the Premier League that'll be looking at him and going, can he cut it in the level above? Um, he had a few games at the start of the season where he had probably wanted a little bit too much time on the ball. Um, Sheffield United was a, a key example. He won the, he got the ball in the D, tried to turn, didn't realise a guy behind him, guy took the ball off him, kicked him over, got sent off, was suspended for a game, and you were like, oh. And he did that a few times at the start of the season. He's now cut that out, and he's now turned into a player that all the good stuff kind of comes through him originally. Um, much like yourselves, we play the ball out from the back nine times out of ten. We're not like Swansea to the point where it's actually boring and everything's a blooming pass, but we do like to try and play ourselves out from the back if we can. Um, and Daniel's normally the one that picks that up. And he's forward thinking and he's passing and he's movement and his ability to like bring the ball in and like win uh, win the ball as well and distribute it to like the more attacking players whilst also being able to get in the box these days. He scored two goals this season, both being in the box. Last season, he scored three. They were all long ranges. So he's learned to get in the box as well and score. He scored on Saturday. Um, and on current form, Dan Neal's probably been the one that's really stood out. So you'll fancy it as well because he's, I think it's his first derby at the Stadium of Light if we're classing it as a derby. Um, he's a Sunderland boy. Well, he's from heaven. Um, he's a Sunderland fan. He'll fancy it. He's on good form. But it would be remiss of me to tell you that Patrick Roberts and Ahmad Diallo and Ross Stewart are not really on form. On the other side of things, is there anyone from Borough at the moment that you're really not looking forward to coming up against? Yeah, a couple. Um, I'll tell you who really impressed me, and I don't think it'll surprise you, um, in the game at the the Riverside. Ryan Giles, I thought he was excellent. I thought his delivery was frighteningly good. Um, And every time he... I don't know if he was on your corners. I kind of feel like he was on your corners that night. But um, whenever he put a delivery in, it panicked me a bit. Combined with the fact that we didn't play that well in the first 45, his delivery was really good. And it was like nine times out of ten, his delivery seemed superb. He was really good at coming up on the left. And obviously, he played a little bit further forward because he had the back five that night. But the one that impressed me most is a player that might not even play, um, Isaiah Jones. He was superb in that game. Um, he absolutely tortured us at points. But is he likely to be playing on M Sunday? Well, we wouldn't know at the moment. Um, he, he was dropped from the team altogether. In the uh, in the last game against Millwall, um, what Carricks came out and said is that he's he's kind of been managed, uh, been taken out of the spotlight because he had hit a, a difficult bit of form, and I, I think a lot of fans would say he had been for for a longer amount of time than 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 maybe Carrick would say, um, but he, he had hit a bit of di- difficult form, so he wanted to kind of take him out of the spotlight. We can't forget as well. He, he's still he's still a young kid, really. He's twenty two. He only broke through into the first team last year. Um, everyone's going to come up against this type of thing. It's it's all about how he's how he's going to be managed. So you're probably more likely to be coming up against Marcus Force on the right hand side than Isaiah Jones on Sunday. Another player that obviously is going to be a concern, but I think if I had to pick people out, obviously Ryan Giles and Jones are the ones that stood out for me. I think Johnny Housen's been there and done it, and I talked about Wiley plays in the middle. Obviously, he's going to be important. Akpom seems to be scoring at will at the moment, which is obviously massively important as well. But if you want my God's honest truth, the one that worries me the most, and you'll smile as soon as I say this because you know exactly why I'm saying it, Duncan Watmore terrifies me. Not because I think he's a great player, or not because I thought he was like um, amazing at Sunderland. I actually like Duncan at Sunderland, and I'm pleased to see he's doing well. 
but I know he's probably not likely to play. He might just come off the bench. But it's just written in the script, isn't it, that Duncan Watmore's going to have a decent game against Sunderland. So if you tell me who I'm most worried about, probably Duncan Watmore because of just like the low averages that he's going to end up playing well against us. Well, I mean, he, he might come on as a as, as a sub, but you might still have Paddy McNair at centre-back who might be uh, a worry for the same reason. Yeah, I'm, I'm worried about Duncan because I feel like Duncan would be the only... like it, it would be typical for us to have a player that had two ACL injuries at Sunderland to come back and then score against us when we thought maybe his career might have been finished and he couldn't really hit a barn door with a banjo um, in League One. But, um, you know, on a serious note, I really like uh, Duncan. And outside of Sunday, I always like to see him do well because he seems like a, a nice enough kid. So on Sunday, where do you think the, the game's going to be won and lost uh, for Sunderland? Um, I think it could be a battle of the strikers, you know, because I think both midfields, obviously normally every game's normally won in midfield, but I think we've both got decent defences, but we've both got strikers that are scoring goals at the minute. Um, I kind of forget, I mentioned Patrick Roberts before, and I forget that he played for Borough. Um, I don't think he did very well. He scored. I don't think he he necessarily did. It wasn't necessarily our worst ever loan player or anything. But he scored a very very important goal away at Reading to keep us up uh, in the the COVID season when Neil Warnock uh, took over. So he's probably always going to be in fans' minds for that because. Uh, it's a very important goal. It was that important. People put the Titanic music over it and shared it around socials. <laughs> I love Wee Paddy. So, you know, I think he'll be up for it because you always are against your clubs, as I touched on with what more before. I think it'll be a really high-scoring draw, as good as both defences are. I think I think most defences struggle with, with Ross Stewart. I think you'll struggle a bit with Diallo because he's frighteningly good. Um, and Giles, as much as I was impressed by him, looked more of an attacking fullback than a defensive one. So Diallo and Roberts might have a bit more joy down there. But do I also think we can keep you out completely? The defence was not that great on Saturday. I know you've done 10 men, there's, there's reasons for it, and yada yada, but um, it wasn't great as long as I showed the goals were actually, some of them avoidable. Um, so we know there's sometimes a little bit of gap in there. Obviously, it's going to change a little bit because O'Nine's not there and, and Danny Bart's coming back and he's next to Ballard and so on and so forth. But um, And we don't have a left-back at the minute. That kind of doesn't help either. So I think it'll be a high-scoring draw. And I think the game, if it is to be won as opposed to drawn, I think it's going to come from whoever basically scores the most, Akpom or, or Stewart, whoever um, gets the most joy, which you could also say whoever gets the most joy in the midfield is it going to be the wily old Johnny House in the middle kind of dominating the field or dominating the midfield or is it going to be the young up-and-comer Dan Neal that's going to show the old man um, how it's done in 2023 that's also really important I think as well So you said high score and draw last question do you want to uh, you know make a prediction of of what it'll be? I'm not very good at them like um, so it's probably a waste of time so if you're a betting person and you're thinking I'll see what Graham does and I'm going to go for it I'm going to warn you don't um, I've got two right this season and apparently if I got all the results right and I'm quite a pessimistic person apparently if I got all the results right this season Sunderland will be third off top so that just tells you I'm nowhere near um, very good at predictions but um, you know I think we'll stop the run of, of defeats against you I know we drew the last time we played at home but it feels like I think you've won I'm sure it's six of the last seven or five of the last six um, I kind of see us losing two home games in a row but I'm not 100% sure we can beat you I think you'll struggle with our forward line. I think we'll struggle with yours. 
and I think 2-2. I think I said 2-2 on my podcast, so I'll stick with it, Tom, and say 2-2. Yeah, I think anyone who uh, listened to our Sunday show knows I've got uh, 2-1. But that's uh, that's everything for today. Graham, thanks for joining me. Um, just If you want to give your podcast or socials a, a little plug here in case any Borough fans want to want to kind of you know read up on your perspective or listen to your podcast. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, of course. Um, so if you go to at what the fuck pod, that's where I kind of tweet my maiden ramblings um, from uh, the Sunderland perspective. Obviously, we do a preview show, which you've been on as well, Tom, and we did it earlier with, with Johnny. We'll have a review show based on the game as well. So if you do win, it's probably going to be quite good listening for you lot. That's not us like be absolutely sick. Um, but we try to be as fair and as balanced as we can. And anyone who does listen to my show and listen to the preview pod, which is available on Spotify, Apple, YouTube, all that kind of and a, a good place and the good stuff. Um, you'll notice they did a very good intro that was actually quite complimentary of Middlesbrough and incredibly uncomplimentary to that lot up the road. Um, so hopefully that gets me on your good side. Um, but yeah, just the usual places and then at what the fuck, at what, at what the fuck pod if you want to uh, abuse me after you've won or potentially uh, lost or drew. I'm sure our listeners won't do with that. But Thanks again for joining us, Graham. Uh, That was all your Borough Breakdown opposition preview show in a pod.